Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 267. Royal Caribbean goes to a lot of different places around the world, including cruises to Canada and New England. And these are actually itineraries I've never done before, but I really want to do it. So this week, we actually have a listener cruise review from somebody who took a Royal Caribbean cruise on Adventure of the Seas to Canada and New England. We'll talk about what he did on board, his experiences on shore, on board the ship, and also how it compared to his previous cruises on Disney Cruise Line. Here we go. Royal Caribbean cruises to a lot of different places. One place I've always wanted to go has to be an itinerary that brings me to New England and Canada. It's such a different itinerary and it's very familiar at the same time. And I actually get a lot of questions about this here on the blog. So this week, we're actually going to be talking to somebody who just tried a Royal Caribbean Canada and New England cruise on board Royal Caribbean's Adventure of the Seas. It is James Hummel from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Welcome, James, to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, I'm, it'll it give you an absolute uh, an opportunity to uh, have a Canadian give his perspective on a Canadian cruise, I guess. Absolutely, I appreciate you uh, broadcasting from deep in your igloo uh, and <laughs> taking a break from clubbing baby seals to come talk to us about cruising. Oh, ouch, ouch! <laughs> <laughs> that's all the that's all the stereotypes I can come up with in thirty seconds or less. Bad, bad, but that's fine. I'll forgive you. <laughs> So let's talk about uh, this, because not only did you take this cruise, James, you're actually coming from a background of someone who's actually cruised on another cruise line. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so this was my very first Royal Caribbean cruise. Uh, Previous to this one, my family and I had taken two Disney Disney cruises. Uh, So I'm still relatively new to the whole cruising experience, but uh, definitely new to the whole Royal Caribbean scene. What drew you to Royal Caribbean? Honestly, price. <laughs> <laughs> so we we ended up uh, cruising with – so I have a family of five, uh, my wife, myself, and my three children aged 10, 6, and almost 4. And uh, the, we got about – we got talked about this cruise when uh, another family uh, with kids the same age were, were looking at doing a cruise and we talked about going on a cruise together. So we initially looked at Disney, and the sticker shock <laughs> sent hmm. us looking for for other uh, cruises. Uh, my na- my uh, my our friends they have a neighbor that is a a travel agent, uh, so they spoke to the travel agent, and uh, we talked about where we wanted to go out. We didn't really want to go out of Florida uh, because it was too far of a drive. Flying from Toronto was way too expensive, uh, so we looked at New Jersey, New York area. And the travel agent suggested this particular cruise uh, on Royal Caribbean Adventure of the Seas. Nice. Now, of course, Adventure of the Seas is a Voyager class ship. She actually just got a refurbishment not too long ago. Got some nice little upgrades there, which added to that. What ports of call was the sailing bringing you to? Uh, So we had one day at sea and then Halifax, Nova Scotia, St. John, New Brunswick, uh, Bar Harbor, Maine. Sorry, Bahaba, Maine, (laughs) and Portland, Maine. And then now, one more day at sea. I, I got to ask you, because, of course, as a Canadian, did the itinerary, the fact that you're going to Canada for your cruise, did that, I mean, did that play into it at all? Like as a, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many times you've been to these particular cities in, in Canada, but did that play into your decision at all? I, yeah, it did. Absolutely. Uh, so this is the first time I've actually been to the east coast of Canada. The furthest east I've been of Toronto is Quebec City. Uh, so that's east of Montreal. 
Uh, that's the furthest east. I've always wanted to do the east coast. So this was a good opportunity for us to kind of get a flavor of the east coast of Canada and potentially look at a, a driving trip really out east uh, with the family. Cool. All right. So what kind of stateroom did you book? So we had a uh, deluxe family ocean view. We had room 9200. Uh, our The family that we went with had the room right next to us, 9500. Um, we really wanted to make sure the kids had their own beds uh, and then some some type of privacy. So this was a, a really good selection for us. Uh, it was quite big. Uh, I, I don't Hopefully I can put this on here, Matt, if you don't mind. Uh, there's the Adventure of the Seas uh, group. I think you're actually in that group on Facebook. I am. Shout out to Timothy Kreitmeier. Yeah, exactly. So I, I did uh, post a video. Oh, man, actually, I'll post a video in that group. But I posted a video of um, of the room. So yeah. it was it was quite large. Um, it had a so the two twins pushed together as a king, a pull out double, and then bunk beds that were almost it was almost like a converted closet into bunk beds. And you could they had a curtain that you can pull across and then obviously the bathroom. And then we had – sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I was going to say I stayed in a, almost a, the exact same room on Navigator of the Seas, which is a sister ship to Adventure uh, right. back in 2014. And it's we that, at that time I only had one kid. But I loved the separation because the bunk beds are in – how would you describe it? Like an alcove essentially? They can't see you from in bed. Yeah, pretty much. And it was right inside the cabin door. Uh, but yeah, it, it worked really well. Uh, we were still going to bed pretty much at the same time as the kids because we were wiped out by the end of every day. <laughs> uh, but no, the kids loved it. They they had their own little room. My son had his own bed. We had our own bed. Um, and then we had the two big portholes that looked out the, uh, the bow of the ship. We were right below, we figured we were right below the bridge. And it was interesting, there was a little sign on one of the windows about keeping our curtains closed uh, because of light that could bleed out the front and distract uh the crew that was sailing the ship yeah it's a, one of the, it is an interesting thing i always forget about actually and this is on most ships that i can think of if you have a room that faces forward not like two three rooms from forward but like literally the last room on the hallway that faces the front of the ship instead of the side of the ship a lot of times they have this little sign that says you need at night right you have to keep your windows closed yeah yep. which yep. is i mean and most so people our- have windows closed anyway but yeah, so our yeah our curtains were obviously closed by our stateroom attendant when we returned each evening, and and we we were very conscious of it. And I would always tell the kids, "No, keep the curtains closed." They would at least like to peek out and look at the front of the ship, but we always made sure that it was closed. Yeah, nice. So, what did you think of Adventure of the Seas? So, um, it was a, it was a nice. Don't get me wrong, nice ship. Uh, I really like the promenade. I really like um, you know a very. Uh, you're drawn into the promenade. That was the one thing I found. You were either drawn into the promenade on the ship or you were drawn to the top of the deck, obviously because of the pool and all the activities of that. So I did, it was uh, it was very nice, again, compared to... So I was on the Fantasy before on uh, Disney Cruise Line, so it was definitely um, a social or community feel that I felt with the with the promenade. So that was... I really liked that. Um, I liked the... Uh, how the different shops were there. Uh, I liked how they had the, oh, geez, what's the cafe called? Cafe Promenade. Cafe Promenade. Yep. Oh, we, we were down there every morning getting our Starbucks coffee from the little Starbucks uh, kiosk. Um, the, the Again, the rooms, the cabins were great. 
Uh, the pools, actually, I was kind of surprised the pools were not overly busy, uh, which, uh, you know, I had read about the pools are always busy, always difficult to, to get a, a, uh, a lounge chair or to be able to get into the pool because it was just packed. Uh, didn't find that. I, I found it was, it was quite comfortable. There was never really any complaints. The kids love going into the pools, uh, love the water slides. Uh, the kids love the water slides. My, my middle guy was too short for them, unfortunately, but he used the, the kid one that's closer to the pool. Um, I remember one day the kids had, the other older kids had gone off to do the bigger water slide. And my middle guy went down that one little water slide about 30 times. I just sat there in the hot tub and watched him go down and down and down and down and down. So he had a blast with that. That's a, by the Um, way, great parenting right there. I love that. Uh, From the hot tub. I counted. (laughs) (laughs) Looks good. son. Keep going. Go again. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he had that thing all to himself. It was great. Um, we did not do any specialty dining, obviously, because of having the kids. Um, oh, so we never got bad. to experience. Yeah. Yeah. Which that was fine. We, we enjoyed the main dining room. We had, uh, fairly good, uh, servers. Our, our main, uh, waiter was, she was very good. Our assistant waiter, uh, he was kind of there. I don't know if it was a matter of him having to, to deal with a lot of different tables, but he was there and kind of in the background. Um, honestly, the food was okay uh that was the one thing we kind of walked away with uh the other family that we were with the husband he had said he had been on a royal caribbean cruise before and he thought the food was fantastic previously he even said this time that the food was just okay Hmm. yeah nothing nothing horribly memorable um some of the choices i you know we're thinking oh we would have thought there would have been something fancy and special, but you know, chicken Parmesan and, and lasagna were just like, Oh, okay. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah. no, so no Norwal or polar bear on the menu that you're used to at home. No, unfortunately not. No, <laughs> no, sorry, uh, I I <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> moose. There was no moose or anything moose. like that. <laughs> moose is actually very good. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, maybe, uh, Hopefully on our next Royal Caribbean cruise, because I'll definitely try another Royal Caribbean cruise. Hopefully yep. uh, we can try uh, try the specialty restaurants. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Let's talk about some of the other experiences you had on board. I'm, I'm also I want to you know let's talk about some of the, you talked about the pools, you talked about the water yep. slides. How about the shows? Do you check out any of the entertainment or activities on board in general? So we did the ice skating, uh, the the ice skating show, and to everybody's uh, advice. We showed up a half an hour early, but everybody else had shown up half an hour earlier before us. Really? <laughs> so, oh yeah, it was uh, when we got there a half an hour early. There was already a large crowd, and we were in basically the last row in the corner. So, it was uh, it was full. It filled up, um, but it was that was fun. That was enjoyable. Uh, we saw the magician. He was good. He was very entertaining and very funny. But that was really all the other show, the shows that we really saw. Uh, unfortunately, I think the timing didn't really work well for us and the, the kids. Um, I know the other family, the wife, they went to see the Celine Dion uh, show, <laughs> which was uh, kind of funny. That okay, you guys are doing a, a tribute to a Canadian singer. That's fine. <laughs> Well, it's um, funny because you're not you're from Ontario instead of Quebec, and I could imagine right. I have certain friends that are from. Uh, Quebec and I mean Celine Dion is a religion not just an experience oh yeah absolutely yeah, but, yeah. Um, 
unfortunately, yeah. So we didn't receive any of the other shows, uh, but even the description of them didn't. They weren't really. They didn't really say very much. Like I know the other bigger ships have Broadway style uh, or Broadway musicals, so it was yeah. it was disappointing that that they didn't have that on Adventure. Did you go to any like during the daytime, like you know maybe some of the trivia events or you know some of the demonstrations or dance competitions? Uh, no, we, unfortunately we didn't do any of those. Um, okay. that, that was the one comment that I would make about kind of the activities and the shows that they weren't really family oriented. And again, this is where I kind of, I look at the comparison with Disney. Uh, when we did the Disney two two Disney cruises, there were a lot of family activities like family crafts or family trivia. I found that the, you know, when I was looking at the cruise compass, the, kind of the trivia were more adult oriented, you know, like eighties trivia or eighties music trivia or things like that. I see. I, I mean, I guess I would tell, I would respond that, you know, you're right. I mean, obviously your kid, my kid's the same way. I have no idea what eighties <laughs> trivia is. Yeah. I think yeah. that a lot of the events though are more universal in the appeal. It's more the, it's more the fun of the event. Like, it's not like you're winning, you know, cars or, you know, no, hundreds no. of dollars. It's more just the competition. I remember we, I took my oldest daughter to trivia, and I was like, "You want to go to trivia?" She's like, "Yeah." And it was like I forget what the t- I think it was just general trivia, but um, she had a really good time at it. She really enjoyed it. Yeah. Certainly, the kids' trivia. Yeah, they like you know, it's it's more up their alley in the sense that they can participate a little bit more. But I always felt like you know, certainly they're welcome at the events, and it's not like it's adult humor or anything like that. Mm. I can see what you're saying that the programming was more like I mean, if there's Queen trivia, right? The band. You know, yep, there's, yep, yep. it's, you know, your kids aren't going to get a whole lot out of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I guess I would encourage you just at least, first of all, when you go to the events, you don't have to stay there. You can always leave <laughs> if it's not to your liking. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, there's nothing yeah. wrong with getting up and be like, well, I'm going to go to the bathroom now. And, you know, <laughs> and then, you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did uh, on the last sea day. They, I, I noticed in the cruise compass, they were talking about uh, the, the, one of the last shows. I, it was uh, secrets of the stage. So I they, you know, the description wasn't, it was a very, very short description. So I, I misinterpreted it. I thought they were going to talk, actually talk about how they put on a show, but it was just a, it was actually just a panel discussion with some of the performers. Now I might've been interested in that, but again, we had four out of the six kids with us and I, they just didn't want to have anything to do with it. So of course yep. we up and left. So, but yeah, at least we gave it a try. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Um, let's yep. talk about the ports you visited because that's obviously a critical aspect of this kind of yeah. itinerary. Uh, yep. Let's start. Was Bar Harbor your first? Bahaba was that your first uh, uh, port stop? No, we actually went to Halifax first. So, uh, so in that order: Halifax, St. John, Bahaba, and Portland. Um, yep, uh, yeah. Because so, all the other itineraries I've seen, they've gone the opposite way. So this way, they actually started in Canada and came back. Okay, when we get to when we get yeah. to uh, the main stops. I'll ask you a question about that. So let's start with Halifax. What did you do in Halifax? So at all the ports, we did not do any excursions again because of the fam- uh, two families with six kids. It just it it would have been a disaster. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And I'll t- I'll tell you why because something happened on our last day in in Portland. Um, but you know we just did some research before we took the cruise to see oh you know can we get off can we walk around is there enough to do within walking distance of the cruise ship and uh, all four of them. There was there was definitely plenty to do within walking distance. So when we got off in Halifax, the cruise terminal that they they uh, they dock in, uh, there's quite a bit in that terminal. There is a uh, an immigration museum because Halifax was 
a very big uh, point of entry for immigrants from Europe. So there was a whole museum in there. Unfortunately, we didn't do it because, uh, again, we don't didn't think that the kids would have been interested in. But it's something I'd go back and see. It looked interesting. And then uh, the other family that we were with, they were uh, they had their parents were immigrants from Macedonia. So the the wife was very interested in there because she wanted to go and see if she could find her parents or her grandmother's name within the book. So that would that's be fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, in that same cruise terminal, there was a farmer's market, so you can go and have an $18 uh, lobster roll. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so we walked along the water's edge, which was nice because there were a lot of uh, different little shops and uh, some restaurants. Uh, there was a park, so we let the kids run in and burn some energy off. And then we walked up a really big hill <laughs> into the into the main part of, of Halifax, really. And uh, the one hill that we walked to the top of is uh, the Citadel. So it was an, a very old uh, British Navy or British Citadel. Um, so we didn't walk into it because it was an even larger hill to go up that. Uh, but across the street from that was uh, – it was like the Halifax uh, City Garden. So we walked around in there and it was really pretty. Uh, the flowers were, were full in bloom. Uh, we took advantage of that, took lots of nice pictures. Uh, and then we walked back down to the, sh- to the ship and passed some older churches and some interesting cemeteries that had, like, grave sites from 1830s and 1850s. So that was neat. Uh, nice. But, yeah, yep. Um, so in St. John... Uh, again, you're 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 docked right at the base of the city. Um, so again, we got off, walked around, walked up a, another hill. <laughs> there's a theme here. There's a yes, theme here I see now. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, there's it was it was interesting. There were had little museums, like there was a, a police museum, very very small. Like you're in like a very small room of a basement of a, an older building, but it was kind of interesting. Uh, we walked up again to the town square and then and again, we walked through their market that's in the main, uh, main town. Um, one interesting point about where you, you, you port or you dock. Um, so CBC, which is a Canadian broadcast corporation. So it's a, it's a publicly owned, publicly funded national broadcasting television station. Mm-hmm. Um, some years ago they produced a Thomas the Tank like show that was for it was called Theodore the Tugboat. Okay. okay. At the front of the ship, Theodore, the actual Theodore tugboat is docked there, so you can actually see it. And I think they do little tours. You can go on and, and walk around it. So oh. something to something to look for. Yeah. Absolutely. And when you were when you were um, in all these things you did in, in St. John and Halifax, how did you decide on what you were going to do? Did you do some research? Like, what, what kind of uh, resources did you draw upon in order to figure out your plans? Uh, just to you know, kind of not obviously you didn't do short excursions. You're doing this all on yeah. your own. So how did you kind of go about planning it? So beforehand, I would I would just really Google the the city's tourism website. So nothing that was you know was publicly funded, publicly run uh, websites to say, oh yeah, here's where you can walk around, or here are some sites to see. And then uh, when we got off the ship, uh, and most of these towns they have little uh, you know tourism. Uh, at least in Halifax, they had a little tourism office. And I walked in, I said, do you have a map, a, a walking map? And they said, absolutely. And they highlighted where to go to and pointed me which way to, to my direction and said, have at it. This is about a 20-minute walk. Go for it. Nice. Yeah. yeah. 
That's not bad. So that's yeah. uh, St. John, uh, yeah. Halifax, and then, of course, Bar Harbor. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, sorry. Just one other point about St. John. Um, uh-huh. So I guess the really big thing is the Bay of Fundy with the dramatic, uh, the tides and how they, they go really, really far and they come really, really ba- uh, come back in really, really high. You so you can take. I know you can take an excursion to the Bay of Fundy to actually see that and walk on the sea floor where it's usually covered at high tide. Uh, but even being in St. John. Um, it was low tide about a couple of hours before we left. And you can see how, how low the ship gets compared to the dock. Um, and the one kind of point of reference was the gangway that comes off the ship. So when you're coming off the ship, you're going down. But when you were going, uh, so later in the afternoon, when you wanted to get back on the ship, you were still going down <laughs> because it, the boat, the ship drops that much at the pier. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Bar Harbor, uh, <laughs> Bar Harbor was definitely our favorite port out of the, out of the four. Um, it, it's, it's just, it's pretty. So you have to tender. There's no, obviously no dock big enough for, uh, for the ship. Um, but it, the tendering was, it was seamless. They started tendering really, really early in the morning, um, we got on, we only had to wait a couple of minutes to get onto the, the big tender ships. Um, and then again, we walked around, found another big hill, walked up another big hill. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's definitely a, it des- definitely has a resort kind of feel to the town. Uh, lots of neat little shops, lots of neat little cafes. Um, the kids were really antsy to buy something. They had a really nice bookshop that we went into and we spent a, probably a good 20 minutes for the kids to have a look in and buy, shop, uh, buy, uh, books. Um, again, we got to the town square and there was an old fire hall that was there that was like built in the early 1900s. And we, we went in and we walked around and talked to the firemen and we had a look at their old, uh, a couple of their old fire engines and some of the old equipment that are like hundred and plus years old. So that was really neat. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was really just pretty views and pretty views of, of the bay and, and, uh, the, uh, oh, they've got a, a land bridge when the, again, when the tides get so low, there's a land bridge between the mainland and a smaller Island that you can actually walk across to get, uh, to get to the, the little Island. Oh, that is neat. Um, yeah. I wanted to actually back you up for a second. Like, I forgot I was meant to ask you this earlier. Since you were visiting Bar Harbor after visiting the ports in Canada, did you have to go through em, uh, immigration again? So that was very interesting. Uh, because you had to tender, they brought the U.S. Customs officers onto the ship. Okay. Hmm. So, so did they that help her. Um, yeah, because it was a really they it was a real seamless process. Like they Good. they they gave everybody a notice. Uh, it's kind of attached to their cruise compass on the night before, I guess, or two nights before. And they gave you a timeline of when to come. So if you were going to take a shore shore excursion and you were a U.S. uh, citizen, they said, come at this time. If you were taking a shore excursion, but non-U.S., come at this time. And then so-and-so, right? So by the time we got down there at about, probably about 20 after 8 in the morning, we waited all of about two minutes to see the customs officer. And he looked at our passports, gave us the stamp, and we were on our merry way. Nice. Well, that's that's yeah. good to hear that it that went really really quickly. And then yeah. your last stop of of call was uh, where in Maine, Portland. Uh, Portland. Um, so Portland was 
very hot. <laughs> it was, uh, oh, geez, it, it was like high 80s, low 90s, I would say. Um, and by that time, again, we got off to go walk around, but the kids had just had it. Uh, even before, you know, we got off the gangway, the kids were crying and didn't want to go very far. So a couple of kids went back. <laughs> Um, so we didn't walk too far, but Portland was definitely, uh, had some very interesting architecture. Um, it, it's, it felt metropolitan, but still had that old, you know, early 19th century feel. Um, <laughs> I may upset people when I say this, the hipsters have moved into Portland. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, every, it was, it was kind of a pattern of, um, a brew pub, a restaurant, uh, a kind of modern hipster type clothing store, and then a brew pub, and then a restaurant. <laughs> so there was there was definitely a common theme of of shops, but they looked like very interesting shops and very interesting restaurants and pubs and things like that. So okay, yeah. So over so looking back at overall now, I mean, it sounds like the itinerary was kind of fun, and you got to see some yep. of these places. You like you said, this was a almost a bucket list kind of cruise series. You wanted to see these places and certainly Bay of uh, Fundy and, and what how the history of Halifax and, you know, all those things were, were sounds like amazing places. Um, I, w- I guess I, w- I want to wrap up on this idea kind of overall looking back on it and, you know, this Royal Caribbean versus your Disney experience. And you talked about some of the things that you liked on Disney versus, well, you know, in the context of food, but looking at it holistically here, what's your take? What kind of struck you in terms of, what Royal Caribbean did well versus what Disney did well and how that kind of stacked up for you and your family. Well, obviously Royal Caribbean was price. Um, it, it, you know, it was half, it literally was half the price of a Disney cruise for us. Um, mm-hmm. so that, that was probably the deciding factor. The secondary factor was, was the itinerary. Uh, I, I think Royal Caribbean does a good job. You know, when I look at all the different itinerary itineraries that they have, they have a lot of different options. So again, that's something that attracts me. Um, I, I think the next time we would do a Royal Caribbean cruise, it would definitely be on the bigger ships like an Allure or Oasis or something like that. Just because I think there are, there are better activities and let's say better shows, uh, to, to take part in. Um, I think it's, I think it's a really good idea actually, because also you're coming from the background of going into the Disney fantasy, which yeah. is the newest Disney cruise line ship as of right now, anyway. Yeah, and yeah. you know some of the Adventure of the Seas is a great ship, but she came in before the Fantasy, so she's a little older. Mm-hmm. Not a lot. Now we're not talking about you know Majesty of the Seas here, but yeah. um, you know I think that maybe you're expect you know I think it'd be more comparable certainly the Oasis or the Quantum Class out of New York that might be a really good choice for you as well. So that was going to be one thing I was going to bring up as well. So that that yeah. makes some sense there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I think, I think the thing with Disney is it's Disney, right? They're family oriented and not to say that Royal Caribbean wasn't, but I, I, that's what I think if we were to do a cruise within the next two years, I'd probably go back to Disney just because I have a younger family. Um, and like I said, there, I find there were, I found there were more family oriented activities to do on the Disney cruise line. Um, you know, even if I'm just wanting to do a very simple Caribbean itinerary, I would probably go the route of Disney. Whereas if I were to do look at a, a cruise that had different ports of call, I would probably look at Royal Caribbean. 
Interesting. Okay. I'm, I'm yeah. just, uh, it's, it, and it's, I appreciate you sharing your comments here. I'd also be curious when you say, you know, the, the Caribbean example you gave, it's like, well, how many thousands of dollars more are you willing to pay for that? Uh, yeah. You know, for the ability for you to be able to do family bingo, because <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure you can, you know, in the grand scheme of things, your kids are going to have a good time no matter what, um, you know, you can spend all that money with a lot more things or another cruise. Yeah, well, and I think if I were to do a Disney cruise, it would probably be around a holiday. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what started us out when we were looking at the cruise a year ago, because we had booked it almost a year ago. We were looking at October, and we were we were really keen on the idea of going on a Disney cruise because of Halloween and doing mm-hmm. a Halloween theme cruise. And I I know Disney does that; they they do that up, right? Like, there's no doubt about that. Um, right. Or even, say, a Star wars theme cruise, right? For big Star Wars fans, uh, I would probably go and do Disney or something like that. And, and you're right. You make a point. Just if I were to do a, a, a Caribbean cruise, yeah, maybe out of, let's say, Tampa. I would maybe do a, a cruise out of Tampa to one of the Caribbean or, or one of the Caribbean itineraries. On, um, but, yeah, if right. I, it, I, again, I think I'd probably lean for Disney for a theme. Or uh, or a special event. Okay, and you know what? There's nothing. By the way, it's okay if you do both. It really is. I mean, it's <laughs> you don't you don't have to go to the extreme that I've gone to. But uh, you know, I just want to, I want to keep it. It sounds like you have a pretty open mind. To be perfectly honest with, with oh yeah, you, you know. So it's don't get me wrong. Like I I I wasn't complete. I wasn't turned off by Royal Caribbean. That's for sure. Right. I I I and you know, having listened to your podcast for the last you know six seven months. Uh, and and knowing where you were coming from from your old podcast and and how passionate you were about your old podcast, um, you know I I thank you <laughs> for opening my eyes to Royal Caribbean and and uh, again taking your you know you and I I think share very common perspective on on being open to certain things and, and trying out different things. I, I again I would definitely try Royal Caribbean again. Good. Well, James, before I let you go, I want to ask you a couple quick questions. This is something we do with all our guests, or the ones I remember to anyway, to get to know them a little bit better. So I'm going to ask you a couple uh, questions here. Just give me the first thing that comes back in your mind. Yep. All right. Since you sailed on Adventure of the Seas, what's your best tip for someone going on Adventure of the Seas for their first time? Get the drink package. <laughs> Especially having three kids, get the drink package. Drink package. <laughs> and then stake out a spot in the hot tub to supervise. Exactly. No, uh, you know what? We, we, hey, it was our vacation. It was mom and dad's vacation too, yeah. right? So we got the drink package. We didn't go overboard. Ha, ha, ha. We didn't yeah. go overboard, but uh, the drink package was definitely worth it. Um, now, my question was favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship. I'll let you, since you didn't do any specialty dining, uh, granted, you may say Cafe Promenade was your favorite or whatever. <laughs> um, but but uh, maybe I'll just expand this question to say your favorite thing you ate on your cruise. Oh, escargot. I had, I, I love, and I kind of did it, A, because I like escargot, but B, because I wanted to creep out the kids. But it was funny. <laughs> by the By the end of the cruise, I think almost every single kid had tried escargot, and they loved it. Nice. All right, Mr. Drink Package. Preferred drink <laughs> while on a roller Caribbean cruise. Okay, so we started out drinking Long Islands, uh, but by the end of the cruise, uh, I was drinking Southern Lemonade, which was whiskey, triple sec, and lemonade. It was like, oh. but it was uh, American whiskey, not Canadian whiskey. Oh, I don't think I've, I've, <laughs> I've had that drink. I'll have to try it out in the name of research. Yes, absolutely. Uh, favorite port of call to visit on any cruise that you've been to? Um. 
uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico. Oh, good choice. Yeah. And uh, lastly, what is your favorite Celine Dion? No, what is your favorite song <laughs> on the radio or iPod today? Uh, well, I got since I'm from Toronto, I got to go with a Drake song, and um, I don't know what are the two big ones that are, he's got on. Not not the Kiki one. Not everybody does that stupid viral <laughs> video on. No, um, but it, what's the other one? Oh, I can't remember that. But there's a there's a couple of Drake songs, newer ones sure. off of his, his newest album. There you go. Well, James, thank you for joining us here on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast to talk about your experience on Adventure of the Seas. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's listener email time. This is the part of the podcast where I ask you to send me your emails about anything really on your mind about Royal Caribbean, and we answer them right here on the podcast. Our first email this week comes to us from Murph, writes, Matt, welcome to the world of enjoying the small ships in the fleet. You were able to articulate some of the reasons I enjoy some of the smaller ships. One thing you did not mention were the fewer passengers the staff was able to dedicate more personalized service. I seem to have a relationship with more crew members on these small ships. Another thing that I enjoy about it is the reminder of the old days when I first started cruising in the late 1970s when cruising hadn't been as popular as it is now. Thank you for the podcast. Keep up the good work and I look forward to the group cruise in March. Thank you, Murph. Appreciate you joining us here and for the email. Uh, you know, as, as someone who really cruised a lot of the big ships primarily and has recently tried a lot of the smaller ships, Brilliance of the Seas, uh, Majesty of the Seas, and Rhapsody of the Seas and so forth, you know, I certainly come to appreciate them for what they offer. And I know, quite frankly, under why a lot of people do enjoy those ships. I think they, they each bring something different to the equation. And I don't think that ship size is the end-all, be-all, what makes or breaks a good cruise. Uh, certainly, I understand why some people like maybe like Murph here enjoy or prefer maybe a little bit more some of the smaller ships in the fleet. You know, I think that it's all relative. I think in the grand scheme of things, the way that uh, Royal Caribbean sets up its ships, that it, it scales pretty darn well. But I will say that one of the nice things about the smaller ships in the fleet really is that, you know, you, you I like the connection you have to the sea itself. It's certainly, traversing the ship is very easy to do. And I can, you know, I can appreciate kind of that almost throwback nature of it. Because when you go on an Oasis-class ship or Quantum-class ship, they're amazing ships, no question about it. But when you go on a smaller ship, maybe even an older ship, a little of both, you know, you get kind of an appreciation for, oh, this is how it kind of used to be. And it's different, not bad, just different. And I can, yeah, I can understand that. Next, we have an email from Jose Payne. He writes, hi, Matt. I have a few questions that hopefully you can answer. Uh, I'd like to know what outlet charger you recommend for my cruise, portable battery charger you recommend for my cruise, and what microphone do you use when you broadcast for your cruises? I like to purchase these before my sailing. All right, so uh, outlet charger. Actually, I don't recommend any outlet chargers. I just get a and recommend getting a USB hub, Jose, because everything you charge these days is basically via USB, right? I mean, it's your phone, your tablet, your kid's iPad. It's all devices that use USB. Uh, so it's a lot simpler to bring one of those. You can get those off eBay or Amazon also. In addition, Royal Caribbean prohibits surge protectors. And sometimes people get these these uh, extension strips that have, you know, maybe they have a, a surge protector or not. But the easy way to get around this and not have to worry about it at all is to just bring, quite simply, a USB hub. In terms of a portable battery charger, I like the Anker, A-N-K-E-R. It's a solid brand. They're fairly inexpensive. They have a good reputation. They're all basically the same these days, honestly. It's really a question, honestly, Jose, of how many charges do you want to have in your battery? Because, you know, you can get devices that will give you two, three, ten charges 
going forward, it's good for sharing, obviously, devices. You're not going to really need 10 charges. But if you're sharing the device between you and your wife or other friends, obviously, that goes out a lot quicker. But I like Anker, A-N-K-E-R. And for microphone, the only time I use a microphone is when I'm outdoors. And the only reason I would use that is because there's wind issues. If you don't use a microphone when you're outdoors, sometimes when you're doing live broadcasts, the wind, as it goes by your phone, makes that <laughs> sound, which coming out, but it, it makes it so that when you're talking, no one can really hear you. Uh, that's kind of the issue in and of itself. The microphone I use is the Rode Video Mic Directional Microphone for smartphones and iPhones. It is a R-O-D-E, and then Video Mic. You can find them on Amazon. It's a little pricey. It's like 60 bucks. but the reason why I like it is that it works specifically designed for smartphones, and it comes with a wind guard to protect against it. It's very simple. Uh, works very, very well, and that's what I use. I, to be perfectly honest with you, unless you're doing a lot of live video broadcasts and you're interested in getting a pretty big audience and you're spending a lot of time outdoors, like on top of the deck of a ship, it's overkill. I don't think it's really worth it for someone who's just going on a cruise for family vacation. I don't think that's worth it, but, you know, if you want to do some periscopes and you want to you wanna have the same setup I have, there you go. Jose also says, can I use my Fire TV in my stateroom during my cruise? If so, is it a matter of connecting my HDMI cable to HDMI port and TV, or is it different due to the TVs that Royal Caribbean has in their staterooms? Um, so there's two problems. One is that a lot of times the TVs are inaccessible from accessing their ports. Second, the, your TV remote has no option to change the universal the input, so you're need a universal remote in order to actually you know change that. So the short answer is it's not very easy. And I've also heard that some on some of the ships, the ports are disabled. Not always the case, but, you know, in a lot of cases, the TVs are flush against the wall, or they don't really move all that much, so it's kind of difficult. Jose's last question is, what points can I bring up to a non-cruiser to help them convince them on why they should cruise the Royal Caribbean? I think really, what that's a really good question, honestly. A lot of it is sharing the experiences you have on board. It's not about, like, trying to list, like, A, B, C, and D. Tell them stories. Tell them about things you do on the cruise and why you like it. Because I think people who've never cruised before have this misconception about what cruising is all about. They think it is a large mall at best or at worst a small, like, fisherman's boat where you sit in a room all day and go out for dinner at night. Like, they don't really understand the nature of these cruise ships, especially Royal Caribbean ships in terms of that, you know, how many various things to do there are and the incredible activities and amenities they have on here and the places you visit. Tell them stories. Explain the kind of cool experiences you have with going on a cruise. And I think that they, if they're your friend, they're going to really relate to what you're talking about. And that, to me, I think is the strongest way to kind of convince them about, you know, what it is. Also, talking about what their, what their fears are. Say, what are you worried about? What what turns you off about a cruise? They may say, I'm afraid I'm not going to have anything to do. I'll be bored. Talk about all the activities on board. Uh, show them an old cruise compass so they can have an understanding of what to expect while on board in terms of activities. If they're worried about it's too expensive or the pricing is too crazy, you can talk to them about the, the great prices that you typically have. Tell them what you pay for the, your last cruise, you know? Um, you know, if they're worried about getting seasick, tell them, look, I've taken this many cruises so far. Hasn't happened. But even if it did happen, Bonine and other modern miracles of medicine are really, really good at going about it. So, you know, really address those kind of issues and talk about your experience. I think ultimately, though, it's more about sharing your experiences. It's about telling you, those people, you know, about something cool you really did on board the ship. And I think inevitably that's what draws them out. You know, because when you tell them about, you know, well, you, this is why you're wrong. <laughs> One, two, three, four reasons, right? It's like they take it as a personal attack, I think. But if you tell them your stories, if you're sharing your experiences, 
It's no different than saying, hey, did you guys try that Mexican restaurant down the street? It was awesome. I had this guacamole that was really, really good. And then this mariachi band came out and the waiter was really like, those kind of things are like, well, I got to go try that restaurant, right? Same things for a cruise ship. You tell them like, we went on Anthem of the Seas and like my kids have never done anything remotely adventurous. They've always been kind of shy, but they were in the kids club the whole time. I never saw them. We, we got to hang out at the bar the whole time and go see shows and it was great. And by the way, it cost me nothing extra to show them, you know, to bring them to camp. And we saw this, this Broadway musical on board and we went on these Mayan ruins and it's like, what? You did all that on a cruise? That's what really gets people, I think, intrigued by the idea of cruising, especially if they've kind of mentally written it off in the past. Next, we have an email from uh, Buffy Robbins who writes, Hello, Matt. I recently discovered your podcast and I've been binge listening ever since. Kudos for all the great information. I have a question about upgrades. I believe I understand Royal Caribbean's policy for upgrading staterooms, uh, staterooms categories, rather, where I could lose incentives that I had when originally booking, which is fine. I'd like to take it a step further and upgrade the entire cruise. Back in January, I made an early booking for a four-night Bahamas sailing in uh, April 2019. That was even before I even knew your recommendation to book very early, patting myself on the back for that good insight. Fast forward six months to now, when we've decided to switch to a seven-night Western Caribbean cruise for the first time. Uh, what are my chances for Royal Caribbean to honor the January rates on the new trip when I cancel and rebook? I'm afraid we'll be starting from scratch with current and much higher rates. Incidentally, I didn't book the original trip with the travel agent, so I don't have a negotiating partner on this. Hope to hear back with your thoughts on this. Thank you. Well, your worst fears have been realized. Yes, when you upgrade or when you just change a sailing, right? Canceling one, going to another one, you're going at the at the current rate. There's absolutely no chance at all they'll honor those January rates. It's it's like saying it's like going to the gap and be like, I bought the you know, I was at your store in January and the jeans were way cheaper back then. Can you give me that price? They're gonna laugh you out of the store. No, not that they would do that. But you know, like it's it's not gonna happen. Same is true for cruise prices, unfortunately. When it's gone, it's gone, and that's the nature of the beast. Uh, so basically, look, at the end of the day, let me tell you something. Booking it today is still better than waiting and hoping for another rate change in three to four to six months from now. The earlier you book, the better, whether that's a year or two in advance like you did earlier, or if it's just a matter of months beforehand. The bottom line is the earlier you book, the better. So the price today is still probably going to be better than when you look at the cruise prices much closer to your sale date. Look, it stinks. It's, you know, I'm sure you could, maybe you could have saved some money earlier on. Maybe, maybe not. But the bottom line is you can't play that game. That If you want to play that game, you should have also bought Microsoft stock in the 80s. And you should have uh, picked the lottery numbers from last week that it were that were the winning numbers. Like, there's so many like things like, oh, if I only knew I would have done that. Can't play that game. It's just, here's what it is. You, just, you realize, you know what? I want to go on a seven-night cruise. It's way better than what I had before. And look, that's just the nature of the beast. You know, okay, sirrah, sirrah. So go for it. Enjoy it. We have a saying over here at RoyalCreamingBlog.com, which is YOLO, book it. You only live once. Just book it. You know, it's uh, don't don't sweat it too much. We've all been there. We've all probably paid more than we should have in one case or another. But again, booking it now is still a better strategy than uh, not booking it and then maybe going a couple more months and be like, oh, if I had booked it back when the map told me to do it, it would have been cheaper than now. Next, we have an email from Jim O'Connor who writes, Matt, we're going on Wasted of the Seas. My question about bringing your passport with you when you debark at St. Martin and NASA. What would you do? Thanks for all the input you provide to all your cruisers. Jim, great question. And the answer is always, always, always bring your passport when you get off a Royal Caribbean ship, period. You leave the ship. You're in a foreign country. Take your passport with you. The reason being, if you get stuck in one of these countries, for whatever reason, whether it's just poor planning and you lose track of time, something happens to you, God forbid, or variety of reasons that you don't make it back to the ship, ship, ship leaves without you. If you 
don't have your passport, you are stuck in that country, and then you have to go to the U.S. consulate office, or whatever country you're from, the consulate office there, apply for a visa. First of all, you have to travel to the office, which can be a various distance away. You've got to wait for the office to open because they have terrible hours there. I mean, it's a multi-day process at, at, at best. Uh, it's going to cost you money, time, you know, hotel, food. It's no bueno. What, but if you have your passport with you, because you took it off the ship with you, and you get stuck behind, well, it's no problem. You go right to the airport, and you can fly home. You can fly to meet the ship at the next port. You can fly somewhere else if you'd like to. But the bottom line is you can leave right then and there. You don't need to have any pl- – oh, you need your credit card, obviously. But uh, you should bring that with you on the sh- off the ship as well. But the bottom line is you can leave the country right then and there if you have your passport. But if you don't have your passport, you have a copy of your passport, it doesn't help you. So you need to have the thing. That's why I always bring it with me when I get off the ship, and so should everyone there. So – uh, next, we have an email from Eric Watson of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hey, Matt, just wanted to start off by saying I started listening to your podcast once we booked our seven-night Western Caribbean cruise on Harmony of the Seas. Love your podcast and the information you provide. Still listening to them, although our cruise is over. We recently completed our seven-night cruise aboard Harmony of the Seas, and I wanted to share my experience based on the info that I'd heard from the recent podcasts. Throughout our seven-night cruise, we couldn't help but compare our experience to other, the only other line we've ever known, which is Disney Cruise Line. Prefacing that last statement, we've sailed on Royal Caribbean before, and it was on the Sovereign of the Seas, and our sailing was literally the second-to-last sailing prior to the ship being removed from the fleet, so we won't use that as a comparison. Harmony of the Seas is an amazing ship, by far the most breathtaking ship at sea, with mind-blowing amenities. I mean, you can rock climb and zip line at sea! Our frustration was that we felt the amenities that people look forward to are always closed. The two water slides were never open at the same time, and typically only open from 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. None of the activities were ever open past 7 p.m. We actually chose to stay on the ship in Jamaica so that we could accomplish all the activities with minimal lines. Unfortunately, everything was closed until 3.30 p.m., the time when everyone was getting back on the ship. Even on sea days, the activities had small time frames from when they were open, so the lines were always large. You would think that with 6,000 passengers on board, they would keep them open to allow passengers to experience them. I understand that lines are inevitable on ships, but there is, is but there is a way to reduce them. The food in all the complimentary areas were mediocre, edible, but not exceptional. Due to this, we decided to try something we said we would never do, and that's pay for specialty dining. Food in the main dining room on Disney was always great, and we never felt the need to go to Palo or Remy on those ships. I must say, as frustrating as it was to pay, the food was amazing in the specialty dining rooms. We particularly loved Sabor and decided to go back on the final night of our cruise because we enjoyed it so much. We also tried Izumi in Wonderland. If we ever cruise Royal Caribbean again, we would go for the dining package. Uh, the entertainment left a lot to be desired. I remember that feeling I had when the show on the Sovereign of the Seas and felt bad for walking out. Well... Not much has changed. Greece was so long. I mean, I love Greece the movie and know all the songs by heart, but two hours? We also tried some of the other production shows and couldn't take it. I'm not the biggest fan of all the Disney movies, but the talent they provide in the shows makes them a 10. The headliner act on Harmony was great, the acapella group on board was outstanding, and the musical talent in Dazzles was by far the best cover band I have ever heard. Kids Club on Harmony of the Seas doesn't even come close to that on Disney. We had an awful experience with the staff on Adventure Ocean, but I think the poor crew member was just having a bad day. With that being said, my daughter, who typically loves Kids Club, stayed for a total of 20 minutes for the entire cruise. We stayed in Central Park Balcony Room, and I must say we should have saved some money and got an inside room. We typically get an Ocean View Balcony and use it, but the fact we overlooked Central Park left no real desire to utilize it. I didn't take your advice about the drink package, and I should have. Towards the end of the cruise, I was just getting drinks to simply get drinks in an attempt to get my money's worth. But the bar service was slow. It took a minimum of 5 to 10 minutes every time to get a drink. In the end, we had a great time, though. Zero complaints about the memories we made. Service was frustrating part of my, for my family as we're used to Disney. I will say that if we hadn't done Disney four times prior, we wouldn't have noticed a difference and thought everything was good for just the way it was. Now, Matt, I already know that your rebuttal for all this is going to be Disney significantly more expensive than the Royal Caribbean. 
They're going to pay for thousands of dollars to make up the difference. Well, our selling on Harmony was $400 greater than the most expensive selling we had on our four previous Disney sailings and lesser accommodations. That does not include the amount we spent on drink packages and especially dining. In the end, I'm sure if we would sell with Royal Caribbean again, but I will continue to listen to your podcast and enjoy the information you provide. Uh, P.S. Please stop calling it Windjamer. Eric, interesting email. Um, you know, a lot of the your first of all, thank you for sharing it. I'm glad you did. Um, a lot of the things you mentioned. I'll start at the beginning, which is the the timing of the activities and the hours available. That's a, that's a fair gripe. I don't think there's anything I would disagree with there. I think that they should offer more of it. Obviously, they they want to offer these kind of experiences when people are going to take advantage of them. I would argue that to what you said, which is that look, even if there's not everyone on board the ship. Keep it open. Why not, right? And certainly water slides. I mean, geez, that's, you know, two people that's running that. It's not a big deal. It's not like, you need, like, it's not like a, a show that requires dozens of crew members, you know, or something like that. Uh, you know, they definitely, all cruise lines do this, by the way. When cruise ships are in port, you have less activities on board. You know, it's it's a slimmed down offering, but you do still get that sense of having the ship to yourself and, you know, hanging out by the pool. I can certainly understand why you want to enjoy the, the, the water slides, but, you know, I'm going to move past that because I think I tend to agree that there's always room for improvement in there. And I, I would love to see more times in general, whether you're at sea or not. In terms of the food, I'm sorry you thought the food was, uh, the, the complimentary food wasn't as good as on Disney. I actually thought the opposite. The Royal food was way better than Disney's food. Obviously, food is in the eye of the beholder, right? And it's like the example I always give is broccoli. You know, how many people in this world hate broccoli? I mean, this, how many people in this world love broccoli? It doesn't mean anything except we all have different tastes. So that, that's that. But I'm glad you enjoyed the dining, especially dining. I agree about Sabor. And yes, you definitely need to get the dining package. For the entertainment, it sounds to me, based on your email, that you just don't like, you don't like, if you went to New York City and went to a Broadway show, I mean, two hours, that's what the show is. I mean, Grease is a Broadway show. That's how long a Broadway show is. And that's going to be two hours, whether you see it on Royal Caribbean or you see it on Broadway. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. And you mentioned some of the other shows you did, the other production shows you didn't like, but you like the live music. So my take on it is that, okay, you, you're a live music kind of guy. You like going and seeing live acts perform, not, not in a production show, like let's sit in the theater and watch it more of like, let's go to a lounge or a public space and, you know, watch the guy who's the jazz band perform or the, uh, you know, the, the guy on guitar play music, right. Or the schooner bar guy, right. Who plays the piano. And that's nothing wrong with that. That's just about your, your style. I mean, my wife loves Broadway shows. I can tolerate them to some extent to each their own. So next time, something for you to plan on. Do more of those kind of activities because Royal Caribbean has that in spades. In terms of the kids club, I'm, I'm sorry to hear your daughter didn't have a great time in there. You know, one of the things I've often heard, Royal Caribbean definitely has a different approach to its kids club than Disney. It's best been described that Disney's uh, kids programming is more like free range where it's like an open area where the kids are able to do whatever they want. Whereas in Royal Caribbean, it's more structured. It's like, all right, kids, you're going to come in here from this time to this time. You're going to do this from this time to that time. You're going to do that. And then afterwards, you're going to do that, right? There's, it, there's a structure to it. And quite frankly, it's possible. I don't know for a fact because I don't know your daughter at all, uh, Eric, but possibly maybe your daughter was used to Disney's and methodology and Royals is different. That could be, you know, a bit of a, I don't want to say culture shock, but, you know, different kind of experience. So, you know, it takes maybe some getting used to. I hope maybe the next time it'll it'll go better for you or better for her, I should say. But uh, look, I mean, I, I think that the uh, I would definitely give Adventure Ocean another try because I think Adventure Ocean is one of the best things Royal Caribbean does and its kids programming is phenomenal. Uh, there's a lot, not only my kids enjoy it, but I, I can think of, you know, a number of families that I've cruised with or, or heard from who have told me very similar things about that. Look, inevitably it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a personalized thing. And I do believe that, like you said earlier in your, or elsewhere in your email, perhaps the fact that you had different cruising experience before may play into it. Inevitably, that's just 
the human nature reaction is to compare and contrast, right? You're kind of used to something. It, I, I, I don't know that I would, uh, you know, treat it any differently. Uh, in terms of the stateroom, um, sorry you didn't enjoy the room or it's not your favorite room out there. You know, one of the interesting things about the, I love the Central Park for the for just the ambiance of it, you know, and having that that the the air option, right, to be able to go out on your balcony and have some, some fresh air out there. But, look, hey, at the end of the day, if you're not taking advantage of it, certainly there's nothing wrong with going to an inside room. Um, and uh, in terms of the pricing, I would love to see a comparison. I mean, you mentioned that, you know, compared to the other Disney sellings, it was only a little bit more expensive. I mean... Are we talking apples to apple? Like, are they are they, were the Disney sailing seven night cruises or were they four night cruises or three night cruises? Right? Were the Disney sailings, uh, you know, over the same time of year or were they in September and this was a, you know, a harmony of the sea sailing you took over a holiday or something like that? I don't know. I'm just spitballing here because, quite frankly, no, no offense here. I, I, I highly doubt that it's that close of a price difference. To be perfectly honest with you, uh, unless again, you know, again, we're talking about Apple, like these. You know, I'd, I'd love to see what what sailings you booked and all that stuff. But I'm also a fanboy, Eric. So you know, not to say that I'm the most unbiased person when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, but again, Eric, dude, I appreciate the email. I'm glad you sent it in. And uh, I, hope, I think a lot of people are going to find it very, very interesting as well. So thank you for the email. And at the end of the day, by the way, if you're listening to all of this, what Eric said, at the end of the day, he said an awesome vacation and wouldn't trade the memories for anything. So, you know, this is the nature of emailing me, right? Is He wants to bring up some of the issues that he ran into. But, you know, I, it sounds to me like Eric had an overall really good time. Lastly, we have an email from Shane. Who writes, I've been on cruises before, and we when we had two children, it was easy. What are our options now that we have three with respect to cabins and costs? Children are three going on four, seven, and nine. So you got a three-year-old, seven, nine, seven-year-old, and nine-year-old. The best thing you can do, Shane, don't look at it from a one-room standpoint. Get multiple rooms, dude. Get uh, one room for the kids, one room for you and your, your spouse. Shane, it's the best way to go. Uh, in fact, you can go for even smaller rooms. You can just go for like two connecting rooms and, and inside rooms. You know, if you can go for the balcony, sometimes the price difference is negligible. But my point is, is that instead of looking for like, oh, what is my room option for, you know, for the five of us, now you're looking at suites essentially, which are going to be significantly more expensive. But I don't think you need it. And quite frankly, the other advantage of having connect multiple rooms that connect is you have the opportunity not to sleep in the same room as your kids. I love my kids. I hate sleeping in the same room as my kids. Thus, that's why we always, almost always, almost always get two rooms uh, because it's just, it's so much easier. It allows them to sleep on their schedule. It allows us to be on our schedule. It, it works out so much better. And quite frankly, if you're saying, whoa, 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 whoa two rooms, do you think I'm making money here? A lot of the times when you look at a room, one room for, for five people in the room versus two smaller rooms that connect, the price difference is usually pretty close, if not negligible difference. So go for that. Thank you, Shane, for the email. Thank you to everybody for sending in emails this week. And, of course, if you want to send me your email, you can always do so by sending it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.